All right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing, spinning the one and twos. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a Dose, and we are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. All right, um, keeping it moving. Um, got some reaction here on uh, Twitter. Michael Esparza saying, laugh my ass off. I'll take my pop comments back, and I'd rather stay with pop than get doc. Um, yeah, I mean... Look, my whole deal, and let me just clarify, my comments about Doc are not that I think he's a trash of a coach or I can't see why a franchise would want uh, somebody of Doc's, you know, stature and, you know, experience and stuff like that to lead their team. My whole thing with Doc is just the fact I don't like the way it was handled. And two, I don't I just feel like give somebody else a shot. Give a Mark Jackson a second, you know, go around. And then there's a situation that, yeah, I do think Mark Jackson, for whatever reason, what he did, I do think he's getting blackballed in the NBA. There's no way that the people that have gotten jobs since Mark Jackson was let go with Golden State, there's no reason why he shouldn't have got another opportunity. And so this is really what it has to do, not saying that, hey, you know what, I take Doc or Pop or I want Doc. It's just about, like, I've seen this story before. And number two, the way it was handled and I just feel like if, if Doc was a white, if this was a white coach that had gotten this many opportunities in the NBA and then therefore went to the booth and then a black coach was fired 42 games, 41 games in, it would it, there would be discussions on how it was handled. And this is what we're talking about, not giving other brothers opportunities that haven't had a chance to coach. Those would be the I'm just keeping it real. But we'll see how it plays out, man. There's a lot of pressure when you make those type of moves. And, you know, again, I think the key thing that no one's really talking about is that you don't really get that much practice time in the NBA anymore. So when you make these moves, um, because to be honest with you, you brought up the example and now I'm thinking about it. <clears throat> you know, when Atlanta did this last year, you know, um, by the end of the year, by I mean, there wasn't really that big of a significance, really, in their play. Um, you know, when Atlanta made this switch uh, last year around this time, and when you're talking about Snyder. But we'll see. I mean, again, Docs has a championship. He's got a little bit more experience and pedigree than Coach Snyder. I get it, but that's just the reality of it is but we'll circle back to the uh nba here shortly uh because the spurs are back in action tonight at home uh in the frost bake center and i believe they've got the thunder uh tonight okc uh so definitely we'll circle back a little bit to that when we get to the nba and golden state as well uh they're going to return to action tonight they've got their first game uh, speaking of the Hawks, they've got their first game against Atlanta. Uh, this is after their tragic uh, experience they went through a week ago uh, with the death of their assistant coach. Uh, but uh, let's circle a little bit toward the NFL uh, as we get ready for conference championship weekend. And I wanted to go ahead and take a glance uh, at the lines. Uh, here early on as we go Wednesday, which I kind of touched on them a little bit um, in regards to when they were released on Monday. But if we're taking a look early on, let's see what we've got here. So we've got the first game up in the early line now or midline report, I should say, coming into Wednesday. 
Kansas City Chiefs uh, are still holding strong. That line is still a plus three and a half. Um, they're plus 165 money on the money line. And on the Ravens side, of course, they're minus 315. Uh, excuse me, minus three and a half, minus 115. And the total, and they're minus 190 on the uh, money line. And the total over and under is set at 44 and a half. Now, before I give my thoughts, and if you look at the um, first half line, let's see, you're getting Kansas City's catching three and Baltimore's minus three. Any type of weather uh, or anything, uh, Mr. Weatherman Clark, anything on the weather this weekend, what to expect in our first AFC, our conference championship game, which is the AFC championship game? Well, weather, of course, is a focus across the NFL. Frank Schwab, uh, NFL writer over at Yahoo Sports, has kind of done a pretty good job compiling uh, the forecasts that we're looking at this weekend. Uh, in Baltimore, 55% chance of rain. Expected, mm. to be, expected to be light rain, though, so not like a downpour like we've had down here for the last couple days. Hmm. Uh, 10 to 15 miles an hour winds. Um, what that? Game forecast time. high temperature, 45 degrees, low of 35. So oh, yeah. you're hovering above freezing. Yeah, and you know, considering what Baltimore played in last week, consider what Kansas City played against Miami, their first game at home, the wild card weekend, that, that's pretty ideal conditions. I think the rain, though, um, it's something to monitor because they can just say light chances of showers. It's kind of like down here in Texas. And if the weatherman tells you it's a 20% chance of rain, it usually storms cats and dogs. If they tell you it's a 75% chance of rain, it doesn't rain. That's just the way, it, that's just my opinion, what's coming across the way I feel. So that when it comes to the rain report, you know, it can be unpredictable. We have to just see how that plays out. Um, in regards to the NF. Uh, C championship game. Um, you have the Detroit Lions who are going to be the underdogs in this game, of course, since they're going on the road. And they are catching seven on the road against San Fran, which is a touchdown favorite coming in at seven. And they're minus 325 on the money line. And then on first half, you have San Fran minus four. Minus two forty-five on the money line. Um, you know, early on uh, looking at that, I you know, I'm pretty sure there's going to be some spots where you could still find Detroit uh, plus six and a half and San Fran six and minus six and a half. I think that's one of those that's probably going to fluctuate um, a half a point uh, either way um, before kickoff. Or it might stay steady at seven. And if it stays steady at seven, um, you know, I'll have a few days before I make the final foundation picks card. But I would have to say that I would probably have a lean right now a little bit toward Detroit if it's if that line stays steady at seven. Because uh, the one thing and, and again, we'll start getting more tomorrow and Friday breaking down the game. One of the deals that's going to be interesting is that. You know, I told you Monday there's going to be a lot. There's a lot of good skilled players that are going to be on the field at Levi Stadium uh, on both sides with both teams, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And hell, even on the defensive side of the ball, when you look at some of the uh, some of the trenches, some of the players on the end and the trenches, when you got a Hutchison, you got a Bosa on the other end with San Fran. Um, Detroit's running game, their weapons at the running position. Keep in mind, the 49ers have had uh, 
they've had given up some yards against some of their opponents coming down the month and running the football. If you go back just even to last week's game against the Packers, Aaron Jones and Green Bay ran the ball pretty damn good on the 49ers. And you have to wonder, you have to think, is if, if this is one of those potentials like, hey, we're not going to let golf, even though golf has played tremendously well this year, you're not going to allow him to just lose the game. You know, so therefore, this could be a game plan that's going to have a you know, dosage of seeing how long can, can we control the line of scrimmage. So when you look at that, now the point total in that is a 51 total. So Vegas is telling you and the lines makers are telling you they expect a lot of points, <clears throat> excuse me, in this matchup. Um, you know, to me. That might be a little bit too many points for me in regards to a conference championship game. And when you have one, you know, borderline dominant defense in San Fran, I, you know, I don't know if they're just as dominant as they've been in some years prior, like a couple years, especially the years under, you know, um, D'Amico Ryan's, uh, Sala before him, uh, you know, not to cut. You know, Wilk, Wilk, Steve Wilk Short, you know, the D coordinator that was the former Carolina Panthers uh, intern coach, not to really cut him short, but I don't know if they're as dominant defensively as they've been under those previous coordinators, but they're still a solid defense. So my point is the reason why I'm thinking that might be a little bit too much of a point total because I believe one of these defenses is going to show up, and really that is also showing you with that total. It's a little bit of disrespect on the 40, I mean, excuse me, the Detroit Lions defense as well. They're also telling you that they don't anticipate – that the Detroit Lions defense is going to hold up against McCaffrey and the offense and Ayuk and Brock Purdy in the game. Um, now, I will tell you uh, the other side of this, uh, besides the line, before we get to that, what's the weather report out here in the uh, parts of California by the Bay? What are we expecting on this conference championship game, which will be kicking off 530 Central Standard Time, 430 Mountain Time, by the way. Uh, well, again, Frank Schwab over there at Yahoo Sports. Uh, this is a beautiful day in Santa Clara. Uh, high is 74, no chance of rain. Um, it's going to be pretty comfortable. Where I think that, and that I feel like plays into that total a bit. You more. might be right. Like just a fast track. It's no weather. You're going to base. It's not going to limit anybody's speed on either side of the ball. Offensively, yep. yeah, I can see you working. That's a good assessment. Well, that, on, on the defensive side too. I mean, if you look at the the Packers game, you'll, you'll have a little bit of slipping and sliding. You know, on the defensive side, you get your get your footing right, and it's easy. If you have a guy running towards you mm-hmm. as a defender, it, you might not have your base set. And the offense player always know where he's going. You know, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and so you're having to react, and it, it, a guy can slip past you. Well, uh, so you might see some better tackling. Well, I'll tell you this: as we now we got the weather report, and we talked about the line. I, there's multiple reports out there that Debo is about fifty fifty. To go, so that tells me I haven't even looked at it. And that tells me if some of those reports are true, then that means he's probably questionable. You know, um, doubtful. I've told you we went through this before. That means you're just not playing. That's the nexus kin to just out. The question has to be though is being proposed out there. Can the 49ers? Can, you know, how much of that would impact them if Debo didn't play? Now Debo didn't play the last. I don't know. 
couple series. Well, well, probably what? He got hurt in that Green Bay game. Was it before halftime Devo got hurt? They, I wanted to say he got hurt like early second quarter. If that had at least be sometime in the second, I think. I think it was before halftime. Um, so they played pretty much a whole half without Debo. Um, and, and again, I've said this a hundred times about Kyle Shanahan, this offense, it's a timing offense. And if one guy is out, if one piece is missing, it could have a trickle down effect. Now, the difference is, is that you're going to have a whole week to game plan, uh, either way, if you're the 49ers. And I do believe, you know, part of gamemanship coming in, this is probably going to be kept tight to the vest. Uh, when it comes to his availability come Sunday, I'm pretty sure I'd be surprised if this gets announced either way, whether he's in and out any any earlier than Saturday. I don't even think we'll know this by Friday. I mean, we'll find out if he's a participant in practice. Was he a was he a full participant? Was he you know only have well, now those reports will be starting to come out. I mean, this is Wednesday, so a normal type of week. This is the week they're coming back, getting the game plan, starting to implement. They're back at practice, so we'll start hearing some media obligations, and those questions will be asked. But I think at worst case scenario, we'll find out what kind of participation he's been at practice. But I think whether he's going to be in or out. I'd be surprised. I'm not saying we won't, but I would be surprised if we find that out before Saturday. Yeah, and Garrett Padell over at uh, CBS Sports uh, notes that uh, the importance of Debo Samuel, down to an analytic level. Here we go. Here we go, analytics. Uh, and, uh, the Super Bowl, the, the 49ers are 8-9, eight 8-9 and nine, eight and nine when, he, when Debo Samuel hasn't played since he was drafted in 2019. So just below 500. That includes 0-2 this season when he hasn't played. Uh, the yards per play drops by about two, uh, two yards per play. And um, his 8.8 yards after catch leads all receivers this year. Okay, so with that said and those numbers break down and the analytics side, everybody out there, put your Brock Purdy hat on. If you had to go into battle for a trip back to the scene of crime, now you're not back in Philly, but you're back on the weekend and you're back at the spot to where you were when you basically had your arm, you know, kind of hit and you were done. So they made it all the way back from a group. First of all, they deserve, uh, you know, some credit for even getting back to this game after being kicked in the teeth and just having misfortune of bad health last year in the city of brotherly love. But if everybody puts their Brock Purdy hat on, and you're getting ready to go play one game for a trip to go to the desert in the Super Bowl. If I had to sit there, if, do I want to go? Would I rather go into battle without Debo? Or would I rather go out into battle without Christian McCaffrey? Without Debo. Yeah. I think I might agree with you. We hardly agree on things, but McCaffrey, I agree McCaffrey with you. McCaffrey does both better than... He's not a better receiver, but he, but in terms of being multifaceted, I, he, he's better than Debo at that. Well, I'm going to agree with you. If I if I if I was Brock Purdy and I had to know that most likely, you know, if whatever the case may be, if these reports, because remember this injury that Debo's dealing with, he dealt with it earlier on the season and it cost him two weeks. So even if he comes back to play this weekend, you would have to think for one. He's going to be shot up with something. That's number. That's one. And number two, 
you know, how much is he going to be favoring that shoulder? How much is he going to be favoring that especially hit? Because I'm telling you, if he's out there, Detroit Lions DB, you talk about taking kneecaps, ankles, and everything else, they're going to be hunting for that shoulder. They're going to be tagging him every time he touches the ball. So we know he's not going to be anywhere close to 100%. Uh, but, yes, I agree with you on this, Jonas. That's why I wanted to ask you and put the question out there because I was leaning toward Christian McCaffrey as well, too. But I know how how important Debo is because, in, in, a, in, a, in a way, Debo kind of opens up a little bit for what Christian McCaffrey does. Now, the bright spot is when you looked at that game last weekend versus the Green Bay Packers, when Debo got hurt, Christian McCaffrey kind of stepped it up. Now... The question has to ask yourself, who's really the better run defense, the Detroit Lions or the Green Bay Packers? And this comes on the day that the Packers have fired their defensive coordinator, okay? Which the Packers, I want to get to that when we get back. And also, I want to talk about possibility of a Band-Aid quarterback for the Denver Broncos in 2024 i'm not enthused by it i'm not happy about it but the reality there's being floated out there and i've got to address it and and, and talk about it you listen to the sports grind today's show is being presented by dosekis get a dose we are broadcasting here from the maestro de bell tequila studios calvin casey jonas clark producing spin the one and twos we'll be back Texas summers can get hot, but now they're blazing with the new Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary mix. The latest addition to the Zing Zang lineup brings the same great, bold, and delicious taste that you already know, only much hotter. Shake things up with Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary mix made with premium ingredients and crafted for a bold and savory taste, whether with your favorite vodka or with the pre-mixed ready-to-drink cans. Zing Zang, America's favorite Bloody Mary and an official sponsor of the sports crime. Please Zing Zang responsibly. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, Pendleton Whiskey, capturing that unique spirit in every bottle and honoring the enduring legacy of the American West. Pendleton Whiskey is made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood Glacier water, a whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That's Pendleton Whiskey. That's true Western tradition. Pendleton is the official whiskey of the PBR Tour. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Pendleton Whiskey, official sponsor of the sports grind. Are you moving around the greater San Antonio area? Choose the storage experts. Tiger Moving and Storage. Whether you're moving an office or the whole family, Tiger Moving and Storage offers container drop-off and delivery with efficient, prompt, and cost-effective service. To learn more and to secure your portable storage container today, go to choosetiger.com. Tiger Moving and Storage, official sponsor of the sports grind. All right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing and spinning the one and twos. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. 
And today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. And this next segment is going to be sponsored by Penland Whiskey. All right, Penland Whiskey is an oak barrel aged whiskey distilled in Canada using the five ingredients that is also added from Mount Hood, Oregon's highest peak. Also, Penland Whiskey delivers an uncommonly smooth taste and rich complex flavor. That is Penland Whiskey. It's official sp- uh, sponsor of the sports grind. It's official spirit of the Pro Rodeo Cowboy Association, first of all, and it's the official whiskey of the professional. Bull Riding Tour, which is the PBR Velocity Tour, and it's an official sponsor of the Sports Grind, an official whiskey of the Sports Grind as well, too. 87737-GRIND. Man, that reminds me, rodeo season's right around the corner. Right around the corner. Yeah, actually next month. Do you see uh, 50s playing out there in Houston? Yeah, man, 50s, uh, you know, the whole, you know, power and his TB, you know, series writing skills and you know his deal with star and that kind of went through i mean it's kind of opened him up to a whole different type of uh demographic fan base which is smart i mean 50 saw the writing on the wall too man you weren't going to continue to get richard die trying just basically off of music i mean the music industry like so many industries have changed um and you're just not going to get those that type of wealth in regards to just selling records and now it's changed i mean and not only that you've got to really and if you do you're gonna to have to be damn near touring like the roots you have to live on tour okay and as you get older and 50s no spring chicken as you get older those trips you know two three cities a week um it gets tough i mean they the money's worth it but yeah that's the reason why them dudes are guys are pushing liquor and you know, their own liquor brand, you know, TV scripts and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah I did pop catch. and then mm-hmm. diversify. Yeah. Pop and diversify. Yeah. True. All right, man. So, where were we? Uh, so, we, there's your midline report. Um, let me talk about the some of the hirings and rumors of interviews uh, with the NFL before we circle back into the National Basketball Association. And I want to talk about a quarterback possibility uh, for the Broncos. Uh, but in regards to the Green Bay Packers, um, as I said, going to the break, uh, they made a decision to go ahead and fire uh, their defensive coordinator, Joe Barry. And if you remember, um, there were some rumblings because Green Bay really came out of the season uh, struggling on that side of the ball. And people wanted Joe Barry's head then. And the general manager, Lafleur. They decided to go ahead and write the ship, you know, cooler heads prevail. And next thing you know, the defense started to improve as the season went on. And especially the last, you know, three weeks of the season going into the playoff game, going against the game against the Cowboys. But then fast forward to the San Fran game, which I don't think the defense played really that bad either. But evidently they decided to go ahead and part ways with Mr. Barry. Now, what I mean by when I say they see what I see, and this is what I see, and I believe this is the reason why Barry, because I do feel that the defense, in my opinion, did show improvement compared on when there was fire Barry chance early on from Cheesehead Nation uh, in regards to the Packers, is that the fact I do think they improved enough to give him another year. But I believe what they're seeing is what I kind of see is the fact that if you look at the way, if you look at the other side of the ball, the offensive side of the ball with Jordan Love, 
and you look at some of these bright receivers they have, and you look at Aaron Jones, which is basically in the prime of his career. Like he's not to the tail end. He's not a. He, he's not so much. He's got some mileage on him. You know, but he's still kind of right there in the prime. So he's still pretty much decent, you know, running back that still can perform at a high level. There's thinking is like, look, can you imagine what this offense is going to look like in Jordan Love's second year, which is next? Imagine what it's going to look like in the third year. So my point is they see if we can build a like tough, tough, solid defense, a nasty defense. And we can get a coordinator in here that can get us into, I don't know, a top five defensive, overall defensive type of category. Or the one stat that I always pay attention to, which is important defensively wise, if it's if we can get a number one, two uh, scoring overall scoring defense. Then the bottom line is, is that we would damn near be almost unstoppable and unbeatable guaranteed to probably win, you know, to compete because the Lions aren't going anywhere, regardless what happens on Sunday. Um, I think what Dan Campbell has built along with their general manager, the culture, I think it's there to stay. If anything, the only thing that's going to change with the Lions is they eventually might have an opportunity to upgrade at the quarterback position. And no disrespect to golf. I know he's going to his second NFC championship game, has an opportunity to play in his second Super Bowl. But at the end of the day, I think, you know, they had a vision with this whole team when they took over. And I think they had a vision after Goss' first year that they were getting ready to go ahead and go into the draft and find them the quarterback of the future to fit with all these young pieces. But like I've told you all before, Jared Goff threw a grenade in that with his performance last year. Okay. Um well, actually, it was, excuse me, the year before. But that's that's kind of what the deal was. And that's why they didn't make a move with the quarterback position. So I just feel the Packers are going to be a problem, along with Detroit battling out. But if the Packers can really build a top three, four scoring defense, and let's say a top ten defense overall, this off because the offense is going to, to explode. They're, they're going to take off. Um, I think Jordan went through some – Early on, it'd be like, you know, is this the guy? Did they make the right move? Are they going to have to address the quarterback situation again? Those were conversations that everybody in this industry was having, you know, early on in September and October. But reality of it is he he got it. He started filling the reps, the live reps that you hear everybody talk about. Like you can sit there and study it. You can sit behind somebody for years. But the only way you're going to get better is you're going to have to go out and you're going to have to really earn it. And you have to go out and prove it. So. To me, I think that's really what the move for the Packers to make that move of firing their defensive coordinator. Uh, speaking of other uh, changes um, and hirings, if you look at uh, the Eagles, they're interviewing Cliff Kingsbury for their offensive coordinator. It's a copycat league, and the dots are connected as the same. You know, Chicago potentially is taking Caleb Williams. Okay, uh, we know the connection uh, with, um, you know, Kingsbury and that. And then basically, if you go into um, Philly, wait a minute, hold on. Cliff, yeah, so there, yeah, there's no connection really that to me. There's no connection with Hertz and uh, Kingsbury because he wasn't there 
at the thing, no. But the thing is with Kingsbury, I think with that offensive type of mind and coming in regard to majority of his teeth was cut in college out at Lubbock, I just feel that he's an innovative mind that really shows that he can work with quarterbacks. See, to me, there's coordinators that are play callers and there's coordinators that are play callers, but they're damn near like quarterback coaches. Like they can coach. And most of them, to be honest with you, played the position prior, either at the NFL level or they played in college. Uh, the they're, they're offensive minded. And Cliff is one of those individuals who played quarterback at the college level. He's already had a head coach job at NFL. Um, but offensively, I think that he can probably – get more out of the type of talent they have offensively and even Jalen Hurts than kind of basically kind of get back to that gap kind of where he was with Steichen. And it makes sense to why he's interviewing. And this is probably the second interview that I've heard Cliff is having because we know that he interviewed again uh, with the Bears. They were going to talk to him and now Eagles. I don't know if anybody else is on the rising. But again, like I said, it's a copycat league. So therefore – I wouldn't if they don't hire him. I could see Cliff getting another opportunity uh, as well as a interview for an OC job. Also, speaking of hiring, the Raiders. Okay, the Raiders have hired former Chargers general manager Tom Telesco. Um, Tom Telesco. The re- the crazy thing about this is, first of all, um, you know, we know they're giving Antonio Pierce um, the opportunity to coach this team. They made that announcement last week. They confirmed it. Uh, they're pairing him now with the veteran GM. But, you know, the crazy thing about this, this is the Chargers former GM that was just fired this year. And when they fired um, Josh McDaniels, they fired the GM a few days, and this was after the blowout and the ass-kicking of the Raiders. Remember, so that's, that's kind of the irony of that. It's like they hired the GM who was fired by the Chargers after they beat. How, many did, how much did the Raiders put on the Chargers? That was, that was a bad beatdown because that's the one that, uh, that the head coach Daly, he got fired, and then probably about what? Three days, I think, after, three or four days after, that's when they fired the GM. But the Raiders have made that decision to get a GM. And, again, this is another example of it's tough, man. I mean, especially when you're talking about the NFL and we just talked about Doc Rivers and the NBA and I gave you my thoughts about that. But this is another situation where it does show you, if you just look at the breadcrumbs and you just look at the actions of owners and the decisions that are made, you know, it is about your working relations, about what you know, about who you know, not so much what you know. So if I would look at him and, and I don't know how many years off the top of my head he has logged in as a general manager. Uh, when you look at the Chargers roster, I mean, it, the one thing I would be a little bit critical of him that happened on his watch. And again, I know who is I don't know him personally, but I know the reputation of the owner group that he was working with, the Spano family. So I'm going to grade him on a curve on that. But when you look at it, when you look at that roster charges, one thing I'll be critical with him on his watch, in my opinion, I think he let it age a little bit under his watch. Uh, he made some signings defensively. Uh, Jackson from New England, cornerback, he gave him a lot of money. Didn't pan out. Didn't pan out. Um, 
what else went down on this watch? Um, now, Bosa, I can't really, you know, fault him. I mean, Bosa just can't help the club from the tub. Bosa has had hamstring injuries, growing injuries. Bosa just can't stay healthy. He can't stay as healthy as his brother is in San Fran. Khalil Mack played decent. Uh, he was the year. NFL sack leader yeah, most yeah, of the way. Yeah, he played pretty good this year for his age, but he's long in the tooth. So I think, if anything, I'm a little bit critical of him allowing this roster really to age. Uh, they never really had – you know, problems so much of scoring. Now, again, he made the decision to bring in Keller Moore, but at the same design, the same breath, he made the decision to hire Coach Staley. So my point with all this is it kind of shows you that you mean to tell me that a guy that basically got fired um, for the Chargers by the team that pretty much cost him his job that week of that blew out, that he's the best opportunity and candidate for the general manager job with the Raiders. Within division, by the way. There's not anybody else out there. So to me, when I look at that, look at the evidence, this is a little bit more about somebody knows this. Somebody's got to mark. He's comfortable. They've had, uh, you know, interactions before at me. There's some to get out of, oh, we're going to hire him, this guy. This is the guy that we're going to take into the next, the next generation or the next, you know, Raider era with Antonio Pierce. Telesco was there for 11 seasons. That's a long time. Um, he's responsible for drafting Keenan Allen, Joey Bosa, Derwin James, Justin Herbert. Of course, adding the Cleo Mack piece. Um, I'm going to give him, not to cut you off because I want you to continue. Uh, Justin Herbert is, that, I, I'm not giving him credit for that. That's one of those that you, that fell in their lap. Not fell in their lap, but everybody and their mom knew Justin Herbert was looked at since a sophomore. Keenan Allen, what draft? I wonder where Keenan, what round was he? Like maybe... Uh, I would think he's probably like a second, third round at best. I don't think Keenan Allen was a first rounder. I think he was probably maybe a middle round at the highest, maybe a two. I would think more about somewhere Keenan was probably drafted three to five maybe. Now that's a pretty impressive. I mean, Keenan Allen definitely I think, so. I think is a future, uh, you know, on the future path of uh, – He was taking 12th pick in the third round back in 2013. About uh, – so one of yeah. one of Telesco's first drafts was finding Keenan Allen in the third round. But the reason why, so so he has he's added some pieces. Arguably, I think that you can, if you look at the the whole of the last five years, the Raiders have probably been the bottom of the division, especially in terms of just dysfunction. I understand that you want to give that probably to the Broncos, but. The and rightfully so, I can, I can you can definitely make the case. But the Raiders, in, in terms of just not being if everything from Chucky and Mayock and whiffing well, on, on first round picks for three consecutive years and player personnel just not panning out and 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 you had your quarterback and you had some key pieces, but it just never got it never got right. And so I would I would I would say that the the Raiders have been at the bottom. And so you go kind of like. We look at with player signings. You go and you get inside intel as to how another ownership group within your division has operated. You get to know a little bit more about what how their spending habits, where they're willing to work at. Okay, now they could always change their approach to the Chargers, but the Raiders get to bring some of that in division intel inside, and also bring a guy who who can spot talent at least to a certain level. Staley was a hot name because remember he was hired. Right when McVeigh was popping, and so anybody who was within a, a if you if you once shook hands with with McVeigh, <laughs> you were getting interviewed for a coaching job, and so Staley's name was out there, 
um, in terms of interest. That uh, was reading what, about the Barry piece. Uh, Lafleur wanted Staley because of their time spent together in L.A. He wanted him as a, as his D.C. So the Staley piece, the higher I, I think, isn't so much, but just the fact that they let him continue to coach for three years. That was really the piece that hurt Telesco there. But I I love this hire for the Raiders. You love it? Yeah. Uh, I think it's smart. Um I I you know, I'll respect your opinion to like it. I don't know about love it cuz I think when first of all, let's go back to what you said the intel. Okay, you know, when you talk about getting players in free agency or a guy that's been played with this team and they're on the, okay, intel. So if we want to take intel. I would take that if you're going to go ahead and get a general manager or somebody as a scouting developer or something like if you're going to the Kansas City Chiefs and picking from them. Because the the chart, like my, okay, fine. Like first, I didn't even realize he'd been there that long. Uh, Kenny and Allen, I'll give him for Bosa. I can't give him credit for Bosa. Bosa was a blue chipper coming out. Everybody knew his brother, his name. I can't give him that. Uh, Keenan Allen, without a doubt. That's finding a diamond in the rough. I think Keenan Allen is probably going to be a Hall of Fame player. I think he's going to get in the Hall of Fame. I don't know about first ballot, but I think Keenan Allen's going to find himself in the Hall of Fame. Um, but the question is, what did he get hot? Then what did he get fired for then? In turn, because now it, it, it it's kind of like overstaying your welcome. Ownership, when you decide to make the make an overall change, so you've already allowed Telesco to hire. I'm just going to ballpark probably three coaches in that 11 years hmm. for the Chargers. And, and you're still just not getting to where you want to. And to say, hey, well, we had a good run. Appreciate all your work, but you know, we're, we're going to fire Staley. We're going to go ahead and let go of you two. Uh, we, we just need to go in a different direction. Who was prior to Staley? Who did the chart? My, my, my head is foggy. What, what did, the, who was before Staley? Because Staley was there was for it Vance? No. Oh, no, it wasn't Vance. Uh, I, I know we all look alike. Good chance, though, Jonas. This is a brother, though. It wasn't Vance. You think of Vance Joseph? Yeah. No, Vance was at Denver. Um, it was the it was the other brother. They kind of did him wrong, too. I forgot my man's name. Uh, that was there. So he was hired for that. He was responsible for that. And then um, no, I think Ron Revere was years ago. So he it, that was under a different gym. He's been there about 11 years. But it, to me, when I saw that, and they're like, hey, isn't that the guy that got fired a few days after Josh McDaniel? I mean, after they fired, fired Staley, and he gets the job, the general manager job? with a Anthony 20 Lynn. Anthony Lynn. There you go. You don't look nothing like Vance Joseph, though. Jones, but I got you. All right, man. Speaking of Vance Joseph, we get back. Let's talk about that team and basically maybe what could be their options. And does it make sense? You listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dosecki's Get a Dose. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro DeBell Tequila Studios. We'll be back. When life sounds too much like this. It's time to consider more of this. Sometimes a little shift is all you need. A dose of perspective. Dos Equis Lager. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Copyright 2021. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. Maestro Dobel Tequila was born from 11 generations of tequila-making legacy. It is sourced from a single estate in the volcanic lowlands of Jalisco, Mexico, using the finest 100% blue agave. 
double distilled and aged in European white oak barrels, Maestro Dobel's commitment to innovation isn't only to discover new ways of distilling and aging, it's about elevating and crafting a superior tequila that is the essence of mastery. Maestro Dobel is the official tequila of the PGA Tour and an official sponsor of the sports grind. Please drink responsibly. It's time to warm up that scoreboard and get ready to bring home the win with Specs. Specs has you covered with lower prices on all your favorite fan fuel. From craft beer, rare spirits and world-class wine to chips, dips and gourmet finer foods. And with same-day delivery when you order online or through the app, Specs is your MVP for the biggest score of the game. At Specs, the fun starts here. Here's to you, cheers to savings. Just because the sun is setting earlier doesn't mean the fun stops sooner. Now is the perfect time to get to Specs and stock up on after-summer savings with fresh new releases in every category. Specs has Texas' largest selection of lower-priced wines, craft cocktail ingredients, and beers that'll have you raising a glass to every sunset. The biggest savings of the season are at Specs. The fun starts here. Whether you're looking for a date night at the Dominion or a light meal while shopping on the weekend, stop by Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion. Just five minutes north of the shopping center, Thai Lao Orchid's Vietnamese options are great for dinner or lunch, serving up staples from curry and noodles to the house special Nam and seafood lovers steamed clay pot. They're open weeknights from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. and noon till 9 on Saturdays and noon to 8 on Sundays. That's Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. 